Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head? Yeah. Clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess. Four, please. Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And a pleasant good afternoon. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is on the air for this first day of June 2022. It is 5.07 on this Wednesday evening. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is live on 960 AM WSBT. A live stream available at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. A big thank you to the sponsors of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, including our longtime title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Tim Ground State Farm Insurance, please mention Sports Beat to Tim and get a free gift with your free quote. Call Tim at 232 9981. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And by Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. Hope you're having a wonderful Wednesday. Thanks for joining me here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Coming up on the program this evening in our next segment, right around 525, our Sports Beat Twitter question of the day, which is available right now on my Twitter feed at 960 Sports Beat. 99 days until the National Football League gets underway with the Buffalo Bills visiting the defending world champion, Los Angeles Rams. I'm going to take a look at some interesting NFC storylines for the upcoming season. Tomorrow we'll do the AFC, which means we'll be just 98 days away from the start of the National Football League. We've got a My 5 question of the day coming up at 5.53. Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Blueandgold.com will join the program at 6.07, one hour from right now. We'll talk Notre Dame football. We're going to spend a little time evaluating the Irish wide receiver position heading into fall camp. Also, Tyler covers Notre Dame baseball for Blue and Gold Illustrated. And, of course, plenty to talk about involving the Irish baseball team, why they are not hosting a regional this week, what are their chances down in Statesboro, Georgia, as they get set to Take part in a regional as the number two seed with Georgia Southern number one, Texas Tech number three, and the number four seed in that regional 
is UNC Greensboro, former Notre Dame head coach Link Jarrett's squad before coming to South Bend. So we'll talk about the baseball regional with Tyler Horka in one hour here on WSBT Radio. A good friend of mine from our days as broadcasters in the Midwest League, Danny Reed's going to join me on tomorrow's program because he is the voice of Georgia Southern. I'm going to ask him if he's surprised Georgia Southern is hosting and Notre Dame is coming down to visit them. So we'll talk to Danny on tomorrow's program and also get some insight on the strengths of this Georgia Southern baseball team that could be standing in the way of the Fighting Irish moving on to the Super Regional. Likely that would be in Knoxville against the number one team of the country, the Tennessee Volunteers. We also have our sports wagering segment coming up right before the end of the program. We are done at 645 tonight because the South Bend Cubs series in Dayton against the Dragons continue. It is a 705 first pitch, 645 pregame on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, my first pitch to you tonight is a really good guy and a heck of a football player. Call it quits today. Someone that we saw grow up in front of our own eyes here in South Bend. On social media earlier this afternoon, former Fighting Irish defensive lineman Stefan Tuitt retired from the National Football League. He just turned 29 years old. Tuitt, in a statement, said, quote, With respect to the Steelers organization, my teammates and coaches, I would like to officially announce that I have come to the decision to retire from the NFL. I am thankful to have had the opportunity to represent the city of Pittsburgh for the past eight seasons and am blessed to leave this game with my health. After the tragic loss of my brother Richard and upon completing my degree from the University of Notre Dame, I know I am being called to move beyond the sport of football. I want to thank everyone for the love and support they have shown both on and off the field and again, want to thank the Rooney family, Coach Tomlin, and the entire Pittsburgh organization. It was an honor and a privilege to play for this historic team, Go Steelers. The statement from Stefan Tuitt this afternoon announcing his retirement from the National Football League. It has taken a great toll on Stefan and his family with the tragic loss of his brother, Richard Bartlett III. He was killed in a hit-and-run accident back in 2021 in Stefan's home state of Georgia. His mom, Tamara, unfortunately witnessed the incident and the death of her son. Tamara said, quote, It was an accident, but the person took off. The people never revealed themselves. They never came out of the car. You took off like my child was an animal. He was not an animal. Not one day do I wake up and not think about my son. Not one day do I go to bed and not think about my son. It's devastating, end quote. 
Now, Stephon Tuitt did not play last season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was dealing with a knee injury, and on top of that, grieving over the tragic death of his brother. Now, Stephon Tuitt became a star here at the University of Notre Dame. I remember hearing some recruiting stories about Stephon Tuitt. As Brian Kelly and members of his coaching staff were sitting in Stefan Tuitt's house when another coach called and was put on speakerphone. That coach did not know Brian Kelly and his coaches were in the room as he was talking and spoke very negatively about the Notre Dame football program. Well, Stefan Tuitt ultimately picked the University of Notre Dame. I think Paul Johnson, the Georgia Tech head coach, might have been the coach. I'll have to double-check with someone on that, but that's who I recall. It was on the phone saying some wonderful things about the Irish and Brian Kelly. Well, Tuitt ended up in South Bend. His freshman year was 2011. Nine games, 30 tackles, three tackles for loss, and two sacks. Then he busted out in 2012 the season in which the Irish would make it all the way to the BCS championship game before losing to Alabama down in Miami. In 2012, Tuitt had 47 tackles, but 13 tackles for loss, 12 sacks, and he really put his name out there in the first game of 2012. I can hear Don Crickey on the Notre Dame radio network as Navy fumbled the football. It was picked up by someone that Don Crickey had no idea who it was as the player picked up the ball and was running for a touchdown. Crickey yelled, who is that mass man? Well, it was Stephon Tuitt. And Tuitt went 77 yards for a touchdown against Navy in London. Or actually, was that in Ireland? That was in Ireland, excuse me. And that was the only touchdown in Stephon Tuitt's collegiate career. And it was a dandy. I mean, he was fast. He was moving. Defensive linemen aren't supposed to run that fast. So Tuitt had a terrific 2012 season. 2013, 13 more games for Tuitt. 49 tackles, 9 tackles for loss, 7 and a half sacks. He was a marked man his junior year. Left school early, entered the NFL draft. Tuitt was selected by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the second round of the 2014 NFL draft. Ended up playing 91 games for Mike Tomlin in the regular season, starting 79. 246 career tackles, including 176 solos. Hit the quarterback 93 times with 34 and a half sacks, 48 tackles for loss, 13 passes defensed, Six forced fumbles and an interception. If you're a Pittsburgh Steeler under Mike Tomlin, good chance you're going to the postseason. They have not finished under 500 under Coach Tomlin. So Tuitt got the chance to play in eight postseason games with Pittsburgh, 24 tackles, a couple of tackles for loss, and two fumble recoveries. Steelers general manager Omar Khan on the retirement of Stefan Tuitt. Quote, I want to thank Stefan for all he did for the Steelers during his eight-year career in Pittsburgh. His success, both on and off the field, speaks volumes for who he is as a person and a player. Stefan has always handled himself with class, 
and maturity as he continues to be a great husband, father, son, and family man in his personal life. Now that he has informed us he is retiring from football, we are thrilled to see what he becomes as a person and a professional after graduating from Notre Dame this past month. We are excited for what lies ahead in his life and will continue to support him in any way we can, end quote. Now, I was not familiar with the fact that Stefan graduated from Notre Dame back in May. So congratulations to him. There's no doubt there was plenty of football left in Stefan to it. He had just turned 29 years old a few days ago. Was a stellar part of that Steeler defensive line. Again, did not play last year with the knee injury and grieving over the death of his brother. The Steelers were, of course, open to having Stefan Tuitt back. In 2022, they have been waiting to get the final word from the Georgia native, and Tuitt has ultimately decided to call it a career. There probably still was another good contract in front of Stefan Tuitt, considering what he has given the Pittsburgh Steelers from his defensive line spot the last eight years. But Stefan has a family now. He's made a good amount of money in the National Football League, and he's going to move on to other ventures with the help, of course, of that Notre Dame degree that he got in May. Well, defensive line play was always something that was questioned here in South Bend post Lou Holtz era. Could the Irish recruit better along the defensive line? They had good players along the way, but Stefan Tuitt was one of those guys that Brian Kelly got that started to change the narrative with Irish defensive linemen. Ultimately, as time went on, Mike Elston became the Irish defensive line coach, and he took the defensive line recruiting to another level. Not only bringing quality players into the program that entered the starting lineup eventually, but also creating depth championship teams can rotate a couple of guys at each position along the defensive line to avoid fatigue with your starters. You want quality play from the backups, and that is something that Notre Dame has enjoyed for many years. And I'm not saying Stefan Tuitt started all this, but he's one of the guys, from my standpoint, kind of changed the narrative about what the Irish defensive line could be. The Irish worked hard. In getting Stefan Tuitt to Notre Dame, it was a tough recruitment. Of course, a lot of the great teams in the South going after Stefan Tuitt. The Irish got him. They got three great years out of Tuitt. And the Steelers took him in the second round in 2014 and eight more good years of football for Stefan Tuitt. But he is now ready for the next stage in his life. Stefan Tuitt, at the age of 29, retires today from the National Football League, a part of the Irish team that nearly shocked the world and went from off the radar to national champions in 2012. Alabama, of course, had a different idea about that storyline as they rolled by the Irish at the end of the 12 season. But Stefan Tuitt, a big part of the turnaround of Notre Dame football here in South Bend, and we wish him well. And we hope he finds a lot of success and happiness in his post-football career. But that was one heck of a football player, Stefan Tuitt, retiring today at the age of 29. That's our Sports Beat first pitch for today. Coming up, 
our Sports Beat Twitter question of the day. Then we'll get to some NFL NFC storylines. Yesterday marked 100 days until the start of the National Football League. We'll talk some pro football coming up. And we have Notre Dame football talk returning to the airwaves. At 6.07, Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated, Tyler Horka, rejoins the program. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's weekday sports beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Taryn Pritchett. Sportsbeat continues 527 on this Wednesday evening. Our Sportsbeat Twitter question of the day is available each weekday on my Twitter account at 960Sportsbeat. Here was the question you guys kicked around on yesterday's program. Oddsmakers have Notre Dame football's 2022 win total set at 9.5. Now, do you believe the Irish will go over or under the nine and a half win total? Well, the choices over nine and a half, under nine and a half. It was not close. There's a lot of confidence with this Notre Dame football team. 64.7% said absolutely the Irish are going to win more than nine and a half games. Under nine and a half got 35.3% of the vote. You look at the schedule, Ohio State, Notre Dame is an underdog. If you believe Las Vegas, Notre Dame, an underdog by 14 points or so. Based on that, that's a loss. Marshall, California should be easy wins. At Carolina, no Sam Howell anymore at quarterback for the Tar Heels. That feels like a winnable road game. Then a tricky game in Las Vegas against BYU. Notre Dame will be the favorite, but you would expect a tough game there. Stanford at home should be just fine. UNLV at home, yeah, that's going to be a win. At Syracuse, that feels like a very winnable football game. Clemson here in South Bend, now that's a toss-up. You play Navy on a neutral site. You got Boston College here and at USC. To me, worst case, this team is 9-3. My gut tells me 10-2. If they can win at Ohio State and win at USC, big chance they're going to be playing in a really big football game on New Year's Eve. So a majority says the Irish will win over nine and a half games this year, 64.7% of the vote. Let's move forward. A brand new Twitter question of the day is posted right now again on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. If Notre Dame football could only play one of these teams every year, that means you'll never play the other team. Who would you rather see the Irish play annually? Two choices. The team they play every year, besides the COVID year, Notre Dame versus USC. 
the greatest intersectional rivalry in college football. The other choice, a team the Irish won't play for another decade. You probably have some friends that root for this team. You probably have a pretty good rivalry and trash talking when these two get together. Notre Dame versus Michigan. So if Notre Dame football could only play one of these teams every year, and that means they will not play the other team, who would you rather see the Irish play annually? USC or Michigan? We'd love your vote on my Twitter account at 960sportsbeat, and the voting is tight right now in the first half hour. Again, we look forward to your vote. Check me out on Twitter at 960sportsbeat. If Notre Dame football could only play one of these teams every year, who would you rather see the Irish play annually, USC or Michigan? Thanks in advance for voting on our Sportsbeat Twitter question of the day. Your chance to join in the summer of winning with the John's Auto Spa double bingo game is coming soon. Get ready to grab your bingo card and play for big cash jackpots. And don't forget to use the Remax 100 free space in the center. The jackpot will grow daily by 100 bucks all summer long. Tons of cash in prizes given away at Michiana's virtual double bingo game coming soon. Stay tuned and get ready to play. Michiana Bingo presented by John's Auto Spa with two locations at 2000 East Market Street in Napanee and the new location, 2315 Grape Road in Mishawaka. Save on an endless shine by going to johnsautospa.com slash bingo. The free space provided by REMAX 100, buying or selling your home. Let REMAX 100 be your trusted agent. Call the Mishawaka office at 574-255-5858. And these participating co-sponsors, Bourbon Street Pizza, Perkins Restaurant and Bakery, Wakarusa Ag, Carl K. Memorials, North American Forest Products, Massage Envy, Score, ADAC, Modern Kitchen, Patty Shack Ice Cream, Hallmark Home Mortgage, Benchmark Human Services, Christensen Furniture, Paladin Care, Humana, Faith Mission of Michiana, and the Putt-Putt Fun Center. 27 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. How about a little NFL conversation? We'll do that next with the NFL season starting in now just 99 days. Some fun NFC storylines to talk about next Tyler Horka talks Notre Dame football at the top of the hour on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. In 1922, we began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022. Five thirty-eight at Sports Radio 960 WSBT Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues. Brought to you by Budweiser, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Pet Refuge, Barnabys of Mishawaka, and Granger and Tim Growl State Farm Insurance. It is worth noting right now. We might have a little history in Major League Baseball. The Astros and the Athletics are playing out in Oakland right now. The Astros lead the A's 1-0 in the bottom of the seventh inning. But the story right now, the A's line score, no runs, no hits, no errors. 
And Justin Verlander is on the mound right now for the Astros. And he has gone six and two-thirds innings without allowing a base hit. So we'll continue to follow the progress of Verlander. I just checked a moment ago as he pitches in the seventh inning. He's only thrown 84 pitches. So from a pitch count standpoint, he's still in pretty good shape. And it looks like the A's just got a base runner a moment ago. And I'm trying to figure out uh, how the runner got on base. I don't believe it was with a base hit. I think there's a graphic that's wrong. I think there's nobody on. And two outs in the seventh inning. So Verlander going for a no-hitter for the Astros. And we'll see if he can pull it off in just a couple of moments. And it's just your everyday game in Colorado, a mile high at Coors Field. How about this line score? The Marlins have 14 runs on 21 hits. The Rockies have no runs on one hit as the two teams move to the eighth inning at Coors Field. How about some National Football League talk? Yesterday marked 100 days until the season opener. The Buffalo Bills, are they the favorite to win the AFC? Many would argue that. I think it's too close to call right now. There's a lot of good football teams on paper right now in the AFC. I'm not willing to go out on a limb as of yet. In the NFC, there are not as many high-caliber teams. The champs are in the NFC. They're happy about that. The L.A. Rams, definitely one of the favorites for a chance to win Super Bowl 57 down at the Big Toaster in Arizona later on this season. But in the NFC, you saw a lot of really good talent move over to the AFC. Quarterback Russell Wilson from Seattle to Denver. Devontae Adams, the all-pro receiver from the Packers to the Raiders. Just a couple of examples of high-end players moving to the American Football Conference. So what lies ahead in the NFC? Let's talk about some storylines in the National Football Conference. We start with the GOAT, Tom Brady. Remember he retired from the National Football League? Well, apparently not. He's back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a third year. Won a Super Bowl in his first year in Tampa. Lost to the Rams in the divisional round last year. And now coming back for another go at the age of 45. I feel like I'm doing the wrong thing by saying this. Asking this question, can Brady continue to play at a high level at the age of 45? I think the answer is yes. We have not seen a drop-off in his level of play. Still one of the elite players in the National Football League. Maybe the most important question, is this his final year? He was done last year. Now he's back. We also now know he has a massive broadcast deal with Fox Sports, over $300 million over 10 years. He is going to be the lead analyst for Fox Sports as soon as he retires. To me, my gut tells me if you're getting a 10-year, $300, $350 million deal to be a broadcaster, you would have to imagine after this year, that's going to be it for Brady. One more go at an eighth Super Bowl championship. Fox is willing to wait 
I'm just wondering how good he's going to be. He has been so guarded with his comments through the years, being the quarterback under Bill Belichick with the Patriots. Can't say anything there. He's a little more outspoken now. He's having fun on social media, but could he criticize Mike Evans if he's doing a Tampa Bay game, one of his favorite targets with the Buccaneers currently? Could he criticize Bill Belichick? Now that he might jump on pretty quickly. Interesting storyline. Brady, elite quarterback, probably final year. You would think so. What about Aaron Rodgers, the two-time defending most valuable player of the National Football League? He is a Green Bay Packer for sure. There's no drama this offseason. But his guy left for the Las Vegas Raiders. Devontae Adams didn't want to be in Green Bay anymore. Wanted to team up with his former collegiate quarterback, Derek Carr. They played together at Fresno State. So Rodgers' security blanket, let alone one heck of a football player, is now gone from Lambeau Field. You look at their weapons, it's kind of like, nah. Now Rodgers is going to make a lot of players better, but is there a little bit of doubt in your mind as a football fan that the Packers might come back to the rest of the division this year. I'm not saying they're going to fall back three or four games. Is there a step back this year? Supposedly, the Packers' defense will be better. And you would imagine the Packers' running game will be fine. Rodgers will make the best of his situation. But without Devontae Adams, that offense looks a whole lot different. Can someone in the NFC North meet them halfway to at least challenge the Packers in the NFC North? Are you a believer in Kirk Cousins? The guy that's good enough to be the starter, but always that guy you're looking to replace. Back in Minnesota once again. Do you believe in the Bears are ready to make that move with a brand new GM and coaching staff? You talk about lack of weapons. That's always been my concern since the draft ended. Did the Bears do enough this offseason? to give their second-year quarterback a chance to succeed. Can Justin Fields get the job done with the weapons on his team? Love Mooney, but I need something else at wide receiver. Cole Komet, 60 catches last year. What's next for him? Lions still a ways away. We'll leave them out of this conversation. And I kind of tease my next storyline in the NFC. Justin Fields... Will he succeed in Chicago? There are some things that unfortunately have taken place out of field's control that concern me. Number one, you're drafted by a different GM and you were coached by a different head coach in year one compared to in year two. Matt Eberfluss takes over as the head coach. I'm just glad Fields is away from Nagy. Hopefully that will lead to a little more consistency in the game plan and allowing Fields to have a better chance to succeed. He's going to have to learn a brand new system. Packers coach is coming down from Lambeau to try to 
kickstart this Bears offense. That could take a little time in his second year as he continues to try to figure out the National Football League and the defenses he's going up against. As I mentioned a moment ago, Darnell Mooney and who else at wide receiver? Cole Komet, 60 catches, 612 yards last year, no touchdowns. I'd love to see Komet become more of a threat down in the red zone. I'd like to see Justin Fields run the football more on playing running plays. I know you got to be careful. You don't want to get your starting quarterback injured, but that's one of his great traits. Not only can he throw the football a country mile, strong arm, he's a heck of a guy to have with the ball in his hand running the pigskin down the field. Another storyline as we take a quick look at the NFC, the NFC East. Can the Philadelphia Eagles make the world happy and overtake the Dallas Cowboys? Cowboys went 12-5 last year. Amari Cooper is no longer in Dallas. Wide receiving core will look a little different without Coop. Eagles have made a lot of changes. They feel like they drafted well. They got A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans. That's an all-pro young wide receiver for Jalen Hurts to throw to. So you got Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner from Alabama, and A.J. Brown. No excuses for Hurts. Those are two really good targets. Eagles went 9-8 and eight last year, so they have to make up three games on the Cowboys. I think it is possible. I think those two sort of meet in the middle. Maybe both of those teams right around 11 wins this year. In their division, you feel like there are a handful of winnable football games. Daniel Jones back for another year as Giants quarterback. Washington as Carson Wentz as their quarterback. If you're the Eagles or the Cowboys, I know it's tough when you play within the division. Everybody knows everything about everybody. There's the rivalries, but you kind of feel like, at worst, you want to go 3-1 and one against those two teams. So I'm curious to see if the Eagles have taken enough steps forward to catch the Cowboys and maybe kick them to the side in the NFC East. And Dallas got to rebuild that offensive line to me. They've got some work to do. Still got Zach Martin, but they need some help. And finally, will the L.A. Rams repeat? The NFC contenders, for me, Dallas, Philadelphia, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, San Francisco, Arizona, Rams, that's very doable. Aaron Donald, let's see if the all-pro, all-everything defensive lineman returns for another year. He doesn't have a contract right now with the Rams, and he's acting like, you know what, if this is it, I'm fine with that. I've got a championship, but he is hungry for a chance to win another ring. So, 99 days until the start of the NFL season. Those are some of my NFC storylines. We'll take a look at the AFC on tomorrow's program. We could take an hour on the AFC. Ten minutes in front of six o'clock. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat. I'm Darren Pritchett. You're listening to 960 AM WSBT streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT radio app. One question, five answers. This is the my five questions of the day on sports radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. This is the My Five at 5.55 on this Wednesday evening. 
Today's question with the Chicago Cubs wrapping up a home series against the Milwaukee Brewers tonight. What are the top five things that come to mind when I think about the Milwaukee Brewers? Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Well, I was just a little guy when number five took place, but the 1982 World Series, the Sud Series. And, of course, the team tied in with Budweiser, our title sponsor, won that series. But I remember the game up in Milwaukee in which Brewers center fielder Gorman Thomas had to go back for a fly ball to the warning track in straightaway center field. Thomas made the catch, but he stumbled over his own feet and fell down. Well, at second base, St. Louis Cardinals speedster Willie McGee tagged up, and he scored all the way from second base. Brewers had a three-games-to-two series lead going back to Bush, and the Cardinals won the last two games to hoist the World Series trophy, and Milwaukee still looking for that first World Series championship. Four. When I think of the Brewers, I think of Ryan Braun, who was a cheater. And I'm wondering how much PEDs improved what looked to be a terrific major league career. Ryan Braun served a 65-game suspension for violating Major League Baseball's anti-drug policy, used performance-enhancing drugs near the end of the 2011 season, Braun denied it for a long time, then finally admitted what he had done. He lied for more than a year about this. And then he also got dinged again a second time in 2013. Braun just kind of sailed off into the sunset a couple of years ago. Decided enough was enough. An all-star outfielder for the Brewers, but again, you wonder how much of his success came from the use of PEDs, and you get nailed twice. There's not going to be any calls from Cooperstown coming your way. Ask Manny Ramirez. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. With the Cubs playing the Brewers once again tonight, what comes to mind when I think of the Milwaukee Brewers? At number three, Prince Fielder. Man, he was fun to watch while in Milwaukee for seven years. Fielder debuted as the Brewers' first baseman at the age of 21 years old. Played for the Brew Crew for seven years before moving on to Detroit. Got a big deal with the Tigers. But while in Milwaukee, Fielder hit 282 with a 390 on base percentage, his OPS an outstanding 928, and hit 230 home runs in seven years with Milwaukee with 656 runs batted in. Number two. When I think of the Brewers, I think of one of the funniest guys on the face of the earth. He has been a big, big part of Brewers baseball for a long time. Bob Euchre, 52nd season as a broadcaster for his hometown team calling games on WTMJ and the Brewers Radio Network. This year he is celebrating his 67th year in baseball. Known as Mr. Baseball, a part of the movie Major League, just a bit outside, tried the corner and missed. Euchre is highly respected throughout the industry. 
already a member of the National Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York, as he won the prestigious Ford Seafrick Award in 2003, given annually to a broadcaster for major contributions to the game. On July 27, 2003, he made a memorable speech at the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, leaving the audience, including the former President George H.W. Bush, in tears with laughter. Remember Mr. Belvedere, if you were old enough to watch that sitcom on ABC, Euchre, one of the lead actors on that program. I mean, he used to be on Carson. He would crack up Johnny Carson back in the day. Euchre, one of the best, and I'll tell you what, he's a really, really good broadcaster, a fun listen. Now in his upper 80s, he still is on top of things, and get up, get out of here, gone is his signature call, and that is on a sign in Milwaukee's ballpark where that Brewer mascot slides down when they hit a home run. Those are the words next to that sign, or that slide, I should say. Number one. And finally, when I think of the Milwaukee Brewers, I do think of Harvey's Wallbanger. No, not the mixed drink with vodka in it. We're talking about manager Harvey Keene and that 82 Brewers team. Man, they hit the long ball. They were a great offense. The Brewers in 82 led Major League Baseball in runs scored 891, home runs 216, runs batted in 843, slugging percentage 455, OPS 789, extra base hits 534. In that lineup, you had some Hall of Famers and all-around good ball players. Paul Molitor, Robin Yount, Cecil Cooper, Gorman Thomas, Ben Ogilvy, Jim Gantner played second base. They were a fun offense to watch back in the day and again almost won the World Series but came up short to St. Louis in 1982. So that's the by five question of the day. Five things that come to mind when I see the Milwaukee Brewers on the screen taking on the Chicago Cubs. It is 6.01. Tyler Horka talks Notre Dame football at a moment on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Leading off the 6 o'clock hour on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Don't you guys go anywhere. Plan to put on a hitting display. The center fielder. That boy is good. Number nine. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. A Midwest League champion. Adios! Walk-off home run! Eloy Jimenez! Who prefers to cheer for the birds on a bat. Adios! Goodbye! And maybe that's a winner! Here's Darren Pritchett. We kick off the second hour on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT by talking Notre Dame football with the Fighting Irish football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, Tyler Horka. Tyler, good to be with you. How are you today? I'm great. Today was my first day back after a little Memorial Day vacation. So back in the swing of things, it's good to be on with you as always. You bet you. I always appreciate your time. And let's talk some Fighting Irish offense to kick off our conversation tonight. I want to get your read on the Fighting Irish wide receiver position going into fall camp. Let me just start with this. If the Ohio State game was tomorrow, what is your best guess to the three starting wide receivers for Notre Dame that day? I would have to say it's exactly what we saw during spring practices. Pretty much 
every single spring practice with Lorenzo Styles in the slot, uh, Braden Lindsay at field, and then Deion Colsey at boundary. And really, I think that's just because of a, a lack of options, really, at all three of those positions. I think once Avery Davis comes back uh, from his injury, he's going to be, you know, a really good option. But then if Lorenzo Styles is your number one guy, I don't see how you can take him off the field uh, for too many uh, reps. So the, the conundrum at wide receiver is worth talking about. It's probably worth spending multiple segments on your show and multiple articles online. There's just so many moving parts there. Not not enough moving parts there, I would say. And then just the options that I, I mentioned there with Styles, Lindsey, and Colsey, I think for continuity's sake, you've got to roll those three guys out there at Ohio State just because – those 15 spring practices were very valuable. Uh, and then going into the summer, you know, the guy that I just mentioned in Davis and Joe Wilkins, both of those guys are coming off injuries that, quite frankly, um, you never like a wide receiver who has to make so many cuts and has to do so many things in the open field even before they get the ball in their hands uh, to do. You, you don't like those knee injuries for your wide receivers. So uh, I know we're about to get to a, another topic in – who other than Styles are you most uh, comfortable in or, or confident in for Notre Dame? The numbers there are, are really alarming, and uh, we're about to talk about those yeah. numbers. But just because the, the numbers aren't there, and, and we did see those three guys that I mentioned for you know an entire month, you got to roll them out. And, and I think those guys are going to get funneled most of the reps in the fall as well. Tyler, let me just add my opinion before I go to the next question. I go back to the 2018 game against Clemson in the playoffs, and I left that game saying two things. Number one, Notre Dame needs to be able to defend the slot better, and I felt like Notre Dame needed more explosive players on the offensive side of the football in the slot. Now, Avery Davis has made plays for this football team. You think about the win over Clemson at Notre Dame Stadium. He had one of the marquee catches late in that ball game, helping the Irish to knock off Clemson that particular night. And Avery is a, a really good football player who has moved around to different positions in his Notre Dame career before settling in at wide receiver. I'm really excited about Lorenzo Styles in the slot. I think there needs to be more explosive plays from that particular position. And based on what you were saying there, and I agree with you, Styles needs to stay at that particular spot. How excited are you about what could lie ahead for Styles in his sophomore season? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm very excited, and I think the Fiesta Bowl. What do you have? You know, eight catches eight. for well over well over a hundred yards, right? So, it, I don't know if he's going to do that every single game as a sophomore. You know, there could be a little bit of a sophomore slump, but I don't expect that to be extended across the entire season. I think he's going to be a go-to guy. Uh, I think he might even challenge Michael Mayer for the most catches on this team, just because you need a guy coming out of the slot. That, to me, in a passing offense, the guy who should be getting the most catches is probably your slot receiver. And maybe that's just my bias coming from the South, watching the Big 12 mm -hmm. my whole life. You know, I saw guys get 11, 12, 13 catches a game, and maybe they were barely getting over 100 yards, but those are uh, chain-moving catches. Those are Julian Edelman in the Super Bowl. You don't win unless he catches this ball type of catch. So I think Lorenzo Styles can be that guy, but then on the flip side of that, I agree with you 100% in the sense that he's probably the guy that takes the top 
off of the defense, the opposing defense, better than anybody on this team. Uh, you know, Deion Colsey has the size. I think he's still growing into his body. I think he could get a little faster out there too. So I, I don't really see him as the six four burner. He's going right past the corner and he's going to score a fifty yard touchdown. I see Styles as that guy coming out of the spot, catching the ball over the middle of the field and taking it for a touchdown. So the athleticism there, the, the sure handedness, I think he's just a really good football player all around. And uh, it would behoove Tommy Reese to use him quite a bit. I think him and Michael Mayer could be a really good one, two option in the passing game. Tyler, besides styles, which wide receiver are you most confident in? I think it's, I really do think it's Davis and You know, this is a guy that lost his starting job to injury. And I know the cliche is never lose your starting job to injury, but it it happened. He tore his ACL against Navy last year. Styles steps in, plays really well for four or five games, especially in that bowl game like we mentioned. And now we're sitting here on June 1st saying there's really no way you can take Styles off the field, even though Davis was a really good player who I think he caught between 30 and 40 passes last year for over 300 yards and some scores so if that's what you I really like those numbers through six or seven games whatever it was maybe eight as you know a guy who's not starting a guy who's coming in for I don't know maybe upward of 30 plays a game and if that's what you can get out of that guy then you're doing really well because it means Styles is probably doing even better so I think Davis is the most reliable. You mentioned what he did against Clemson a couple of years ago. I mentioned what he did this past season. Uh, you didn't, like I said, you never like a guy coming off an ACL surgery. He's also a six-year guy. So, you know, you've, you've probably seen the best of Avery Davis, but if he matches what that was, which was last year, then you're getting really good production out of a guy who's probably not even going to start. And I will say maybe we haven't seen the best from Avery, Avery Davis because what, this guy came in as a quarterback from Texas, right, and then switched over to defensive back and then finally made it to wide receiver. He's still kind of growing as a wide receiver, even though he's only a six-year guy. So I think maybe if he stays healthy, if his rehab went well, and he's kind of in a role where he doesn't have to be the guy out of the slot, he can come in and when he catches a 20-yard pass, you say, well, all right, that's a guy who's not even starting and he's doing that, so we're doing something good. If Avery Davis can be that guy, and I'm confident in him because outside of Styles, I have the most confidence in him, then I think Notre Dame uh, is working with something a little better at wide receiver than maybe some think. He is Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horka joining me on WSBT Radio. You got Michael Barrett tied in. We've talked about Styles. You've mentioned some question marks at wide receiver. So how important will it be for running backs to be a part of the passing game this year? Absolutely. Uh, vitally important and especially when you've got a guy like Chris Tyree who the whole narrative around him right now is can he be a true running back or is he more of a you know guy that you swing out ride you know hit him on swing passes even line him up in the slot we're going to see a whole lot of that Um, so when you've got a guy like that and you're still not utilizing your running backs in the passing game then you've done something terribly wrong and I think Tommy Reese realizes that and he's going to get Chris Tyree involved. And that might mean lining up, up you know, if Notre Dame goes with some four or five, five wide hooks, Tyree could easily be one of those guys with Mayer and, you know, three of those other wide receivers that we mentioned. So 
he's going to be vitally important in the passing game. And if you want to get Jadarian Price involved, maybe even burn his red shirt because we don't know how long Logan Diggs is going to be out of that running back room, then I think, and I've wrote, written this on blueandgold.com, both in articles and on the message board, he might be the most complete back in terms of everything that goes along with catching the football that Notre Dame has. Chris Tyree is fast. He's excellent. He gets the ball in his hand in open space. He's going to make something happen. But in terms of coming out of the backfield, running a route, uh, you know, once, what we saw in the blue gold game with Jadarian Price and scoring that touchdown, I just think he's an excellent pass catcher. So you've got two really good ones right there. And don't write off the big boy, Audric Estime, in terms <laughs> of catching the ball as well. He can, he, he will surprise you. I'll say that for his size, some of the things that he could do in terms of getting out and catching the ball, really impressive. So the full arsenal that Tommy Reese has there, uh, it, it would be just a total uh, misjudgment and, and really a misuse of resources if he didn't get those guys involved. The Notre Dame baseball team will be playing at Georgia Southern for an NCAA tournament regional. If you believe D1 Baseball, who does a great job of covering the sport, the Irish were not only going to host a regional, they were going to be a team that was going to be a national seed and possibly hosting a super regional. But as we know, it looks like the Irish were number 17 and the top 16 get the regional opportunity on their home field. The Irish are going to Georgia Southern. What's your reaction to following this team all year, looking at all the analytics and the Irish somehow are not playing in South Bend? I know it's kind of old news by now because really the, you know, the 16 teams came out on Sunday night and then the selection show was Monday. So we've had two different, you know, TV or social media events to show that Notre Dame was not in the top 16. And here we are on Wednesday. The fact that we're still talking about it says it all. Uh, like I mentioned at the top, I was on vacation at this time. So I was actually at the big 12 championship game on Sunday night when uh, the announcement started rolling through. I think it was just on Twitter. The NCAA was spitting them out one by one. And I was sitting there on my phone uh, just waiting to see Notre Dame, you know, just, just confirmation because at that point we didn't even know what teams would be coming to South Bend. We just knew that, you know, okay, confirmation, Notre Dame is one of the 16 regional hosts. And when, in, you know, all 16 went through, my brother even looked at me and he said, hey, I'm counting 16 here and Notre Dame's not one of them. What the heck is going on? And by that time, Twitter was already erupting. D1 baseball, like you said, uh, their guys, Kendall Rogers, Aaron Fitt, they were tweeting about it. I was just totally flabbergasted. I just wrote an article published maybe an hour or two ago, used words like bewildered, bamboozled, befuddled, just completely in shock because the RPI will tell you that this is a top 16 team in the country. Most of the national polls all year long would tell you that this was a top 15 team in the country. And for these guys to not get that recognition and not earn the right to play, you know, they've got to win three of four games, essentially. You can't lose two. You have to win three in a regional. That's really hard. It's even harder to do it on the road when a team isn't rewarded for what they did all regular season and they don't get a chance to win those games at home. And I know Notre Dame doesn't have the best home field advantage in college baseball, but you, you know, that still takes out the traveling element and not sleeping in your own bed and, and not showing up to a park that you played at, you know, since February. So just crazy. I was shocked, still kind of shocked, but I think Link Jarrett, outwardly at least, is over it. He's trying to get his players over it because the mission hasn't changed. 
they still got to win three games this weekend to advance to a super regional. And, you know, that's just what it is. They're going to have to do it at a different ballpark. Well, you mentioned the travel. They probably fly into Savannah, then about an hour bus ride to get to Georgia Southern's campus. Those things can add up, but hopefully this team can use this as fuel. I mean, they're kind of used to being, I guess, job by the NCAA after what happened last year. I love the committee chair saying, well, they wanted to see something extraordinary in conference play. Well, the Irish won the ACC by four and a half games last year which had never been done before i think that should have been enough to be a national seed based on the parameters of this year that's what's confusing and yeah, frustrating maybe we're naive to just yeah. assume that it was was going to happen this year right yeah. because like i i laid out the resume it, it's a top 16 resume but yeah. so was last year's last year's was top eight and they didn't get that so it is what it is yep. I, I, you know i have faith in link here to go take care of business all right, Tyler, there are still great opportunities for Irish fans to be a part of the Blue and Gold family. How can they do it? Yeah, absolutely. Go to blueandgold.com, sign up for $1 for an entire year of premium access. It's been the best deal running in college sports media, and it continues to be the best deal running. And I also want to plug our magazine. Uh, the calendar has flipped to June, and we are uh, about to really bear down on a 160-page Everything, all things Notre Dame Fighting Irish football preview for the 2022 season. Features on your favorite players like Tyler Buckner, Michael Mayer. Uh, complete uh, previews of all 12 regular season games. Previews of all the position groups that Notre Dame has. Some stuff on some of the coaches. Obviously, a lot of Marcus Freeman content because readers cannot get enough of mm -hmm. that. So, uh, blueandgold.com is only $1 for a year. And I think you can get that preview uh, for somewhere around $10. I'd have to look for the exact number, but to get a magazine like that, full color, 160 pages, glossy cover, uh, if our website is the best deal running, then that magazine might be uh, 1B or a really close number two. It's, it's really awesome, and we'll have that wrapped up by the end of the month. Looking forward to seeing the magazine. Tyler, thank you so much for your great analysis, as always, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, Darren. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, 624 at WSBT. Money, money, money. Show me the money. <laughs> we go with Sizzler. <laughs> we go with Sizzler. Let's talk some sports wagering on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sports Beat continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. Well, the streak is over after eight consecutive shows of not having a losing record in our suggestions. Well, we had an off night last night. We made four suggestions on yesterday's program and only got one right. Let's go through the suggestions. Up first, I took the Brewers on the money line against the Cubs at minus 135. I thought the Brewers' offense would do some damage against Cubs starter Justin Steele. And the Brewers' bats were pretty good. They scored seven runs. They had a couple of three-run leads, but they couldn't hold it. And the Cubs ended up beating the Milwaukee Brewers last night by a score 
of 8 to 7. The second suggestion from last night's program, Martin Perez has been outstanding for the Rangers, a left-handed starting pitcher. This is by far the best season he has had in the big leagues. I thought it was time for the worm to turn. I thought the Rays' patience would wear him down, but absolutely not. Perez was on his game again last night. It took the Rays on the money line at Texas at minus 130. And Perez came through once again for the Rangers. Texas won three to nothing. The third suggestion, Cardinals and Padres from Bush Stadium in St. Louis. I like the pitching matchup in favor of the Cardinals. Adam Wainwright against Blake Snell. Both pitchers were really, really good last night. Wainwright a little better, had a 2-0 lead. The bullpen gave it up. The Cardinals would win it in walk-off fashion in the 10th inning. So the Cardinals on the money line at minus 130 was the one victory from last night's program. And the fourth suggestion might have been one of the lousiest I have had. I thought the Avs and the Oilers would kind of feel each other out in game number one of their Western Conference Final. Both teams are great offensively. I thought the Avalanche would be able to shut down the Oilers in game one. So I took Avs-Oilers under seven total goals for the hockey game. They went by that, I think, with about four minutes to go in the second period. What a wild game. It was like 1980s. NHL hockey when there were a bunch of high-scoring games on a nightly basis. The Avs won last night 8-6, to so they doubled the line of seven total goals with 14 last night. So 1-3 in the regular picks. The one positive, the underdog pick, hit last night. I took the Avalanche minus 1.5 goals against the Oilers and got that number at plus one thirty, so pretty profitable as the Avalanche won by two goals, eight to six. I thought it was going to be like a four to one Avalanche win last night. Ended up being eight six. I can't wait to see the over under for total goals in game two for the Avs and the Oilers. So one and three last night, three and five for the week, and we wrap up the month of May with a positive record of twenty five and eighteen, and our underdog picks are six and four. So all in all, a good start to this segment here on the program. Now let's see if we can get back to our winning ways tonight with four more suggestions on this Wednesday evening. We will start with the White Sox and the Blue Jays. They're going to be squaring off in Toronto tonight. Michael Kopech is on the mound for the White Sox, and he has been stellar. The opposition Barely hitting over 100 against Kopech so far this year. He's on the road against a Blue Jay team with a lot of offensive talent, but they have not showed to be overly consistent so far this year. Two of their young guns, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette, are off to so-so starts in 2022. Kopech versus the left-hander Rue. Rue's been really good in his last three outings since coming off the injured list, but I am backing the Southsiders tonight. I'll go White Sox on the money line, and they are the road underdog at Toronto. We'll take the Sox at plus 105. The second suggestion for tonight's program, let's go with Cubs and Brewers at Wrigley Field. Kyle Hendricks will take on a Brewer pitcher making his major league debut. And what a name. Jason 
Alexander. Not the Seinfeld star, but Jason Alexander, the pitcher. Kyle Hendricks, in his last four starts against Milwaukee, his ERA is over nine. But I'm not running. I'm not running from that number. It catches your attention, and Hendricks has not been as good the last two years as he was previously with the Cubs. But with the rookie pitcher on the mound for Milwaukee, I'm going to ride the Cubbies tonight. The Cubs on the money line against Milwaukee at minus 105. The Cubs are the underdog at home with Kyle Hendricks on the mound. Fingers crossed he's better tonight. So let's go with the Cubbies on the money line against Milwaukee at minus 105. The third suggestion for tonight, the Twins and the Tigers playing at Comerica Park tonight. It's basically a coin flip game. The Twins have been the much better team so far this year. The Tigers have been dealing with injuries to their starting rotation. Bailey Ober pitches for the Twins tonight. Tarek Skubal for the Tigers. And wow, has he had a great year. ERA under 2.30 this season. If you go with the Twins on the money line, you get them at minus 110. You take the Tigers on the money line, you get them at minus 110. So it is truly a coin flip game. So I feel like I should just flip a coin and go with that. But I'm going to go with Scooble and the Tigers at home to take down the Minnesota Twins. So we will take the Tigers on the money line at minus 110. And the fourth and final suggestion for Tonight's program, Rangers and Lightning, game one of their NHL Eastern Conference final. The Lightning, the two-time defending champions, they've been sitting for a week. The Rangers coming off an emotional game seven win in Raleigh over the Hurricanes a few days ago. I'm going to go with the Rangers after the first period, holding the lead against Tampa Bay at minus 105. I'm going to hope that rust is a factor here. You could say, well, the Lightning are rested up. Their bruises have partially healed. But you worry about them clicking, not playing a game in over a week. So I'm going to go Rangers first period lead against Tampa Bay at minus 105. So the four suggestions for tonight, White Sox on the money line at the Blue Jays at plus 105. We've got the Tigers on the money line at minus 110, hosting the Twins. Cubs on the money line at home against the Brewers at minus 105. And the Rangers, the first period lead against the Lightning at minus 105. The underdog pick for tonight, same game. How about the Rangers taking game one? They're the home underdog. I'm going to go with the blue shirts over the Lightning at plus 105. That's going to do it for our sports wagering segment. We going to Sizzler here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This edition of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat has been brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. By Barnabys of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. And by Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, please mention Sports Beat to Tim and get a free gift with your free quote. 
Call Tim at 232-9981. Thank you so much for joining me on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on this Wednesday evening. I'll be back tomorrow night at 5 o'clock with more Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. We're going to have a preview of the Georgia Southern Baseball Regional, Notre Dame taking on Georgia Southern. A good friend of mine who used to broadcast in the Midwest League, now the voice of Georgia Southern, Danny Reed's going to jump on the program tomorrow. And we'll ask him if he's surprised Georgia Southern is hosting and Notre Dame is not. Hope you'll join me tomorrow. South Bend Cubs baseball on the way next from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.